Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, Managing Editor, FightfulMMA.com. If you've said, man, you know, I haven't heard a lot about MMA lately, it's because WrestleMania dominated all throughout this weekend, but there's still some MMA news that even came out of that, and we turn right back around, right after the seven-hour show that was WrestleMania, and we got UFC 236 with two big title fights and some other stuff, but we are joined by noted pro wrestling scoopster James Lynch. James, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, Sean. How are you? I'm doing great. And and showdown, Joe. Joe, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Enjoying this beautiful weather. And yeah, I, I tried to catch a bit of that WrestleMania stuff, but I live through you, so I'll get all my updates right now. So I, I want to get some of your thoughts on WrestleMania, and I don't know how informed you guys are on some of this stuff, but but I'll fill you in. To start off this week, uh, really last week, WrestleMania starts Thursday, in a sense. People start flying into town. You've got an event. One of those is Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, a very unique approach. Matches only in by KO or uh, submission. Dan Severn took on Frank Mir there. Like uh, Frank Mir called out Brock Lesnar, a lot of that. You, you have Josh Barnett there. You have Phil Baroni there. Joe, this is not anything new as, as it pertains to pro or MMA and the pro wrestling crossover, as especially in Japan, it started off a long time ago. I remember even 10 years ago, like Tim Sylvia and Kevin Randleman would do things here and there. But this seems to be a legitimate avenue for a lot of former fighters or even current fighters to get into, Joe. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't see why not. If it's something that they enjoy doing and it's a, an avenue to generate more income for themselves and their families, I don't, I don't see why not. I, may, I mean, I had a conversation uh, with Jimmy Van uh, when we had our lunch about a, a two, three weeks ago. Um, and he's always perplexed by some of the MMA fans that, you know, can't stand pro wrestling and, you know, even took shots at Fightful for having a crossover site. And I'm like, who cares what they think? Who cares what they say? I mean, if, if this is what people want to watch, this is what former former UFC fighters or current UFC fighters or MMA fighters want to do, do it, man. Who cares what people think? To me, I don't see that much of a difference in this and getting into acting. It's, it's a performance art, so to speak. Yeah. And James, I mean, it's been something that I've noticed in your interviews, especially 
occasionally I'd say about two out of every 10, you'll get that person that says, no, never man. But Mm -hmm. like a giant portion of these people are like, yeah, if the money's there, why not? Yeah. Curtis Millinder had a WrestleMania viewing party. I mean, it just goes to show you like, and he's fighting this weekend. Like it just goes to show, um, you know, that there, there's people who are huge fans and there's people who want nothing to do with it. Um, but regardless, I think pro wrestling at some point has come on someone's radar in their lives. Um, you know, like even my wife, she used to, she's, she has, she's not even like a big MMA fan, but she watched pro wrestling when she was growing up. So it's like one of those things where, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, it's such a big company and such a big uh, sport that, uh, it's really reached a lot of different people. And, uh, you know, the people who just are totally against it, I, I, you know, you're a rare breed. I'll just say that. So let's talk about WrestleMania itself before we get into uh, some some Hall of Fame news. But Conor McGregor, there's an aspect to this because, of course, there is. Becky Lynch, who has actually done some training at SBG in the past, uh, won the WWE Raw and SmackDown championships. Conor McGregor would chime in and said the following... Congrats to Ireland's Becky Lynch, WWE's first champ champ. Wow, what a match these ladies put on. Ronda Rousey is something special in that ring, as is Charlotte Flair of the Flair Dynasty. Stephanie McMahon, you are right. I could not do what these athletes do. Or could I? And then he went to clarify because somebody said, she's not the first champ champ. Conor McGregor even (laughs) went to put himself over saying, one of these is a WCW belt. Both (laughs) belts must be one under the same organization. Interim titles, like a bunch of stuff that quite frankly just wasn't true. Like, because it's Conor. We hear it all the time. James, I would be shocked if Conor McGregor never did anything in pro wrestling. Would be shocked because he's he's not dumb. The whole comment, the those guys are pussies. He knows what he's doing. He's. I don't want to say he's a smart guy, but he is because he does a lot of dumb, ignorant shit. <laughs> he right. does, but he's smart with a lot of stuff that he does, James. And and I I would expect to see him. Just tell us how you really feel about Connor, Sean. No, um, oh, I think that uh, no, absolutely, he'll be there. I mean, look, when you reach a super a certain level of stardom like Connor has, you're going to be in the WWE. Donald Trump was in the WWE. At Floyd Mayweather. I mean, it's only a matter of time. Connor is in that conversation of superstars, and he will be there in there at some point. It's just a matter of when. Um, I don't know what the rule is with the UFC and his contract right now, but uh, I think at some point you will see him there. And it just again, he knows the the value that that you know pro wrestlers, um, you know, the money they make and just the publicity they get. Um, you know, I watched that John Oliver thing last week. I didn't realize how big wrestling actually is when they broke down the numbers. But I mean, why not? Yeah, he'll he'll be there for sure. I mean, he at the end of the day. Before Connor's a fighter, Connor is a businessman, and he knows that there's a lot of dollars in the WWE. And a lot of people will say, oh, he can't, maybe he can't do it. He doesn't have the background that Rousey has. Joe, Floyd Mayweather had a damn good match with the big show, like in 2008. This isn't uh, out of the realm of possibility, and there are a whole lot of parallels between Floyd Mayweather and Connor McGregor, as we've seen in the past. I don't think for a guy like Connor McGregor, it'd be rocket science to figure out what to do, how to do it, follow the script. Uh, do what you need to do. I think he'd be absolutely fantastic if he was to consider doing something with the WWE or anything pro wrestling. Uh, you know, he's got to keep his head in check. We all know that he's yeah. be a little crazy. But other than that, I think he'd be absolutely fantastic. Why not? And he would bring a very large crossover audience to the WWE, which is what we always wanted when, you know, Brock Lesnar first came. That's a big audience to bring over. He'll do the same thing. MMA fans will follow him religiously. So the night before at the WWE Hall of Fame, 61-year-old stroke survivor, a cancer survivor, Bret Hart, is in the ring accepting his induction on behalf of the Hart Foundation, along with his niece, Natalia, who is Jim the Anvil Neidhart's daughter. 
During this, a 26-year-old amateur MMA fighter stormed the ring and tackled Bret Hart. Now, in a situation like that, all kinds of things could go wrong. What went wrong for this guy was he was surrounded by pro wrestlers, MMA fighters, and the like. Uh, Joe, have you seen this video? I did see the video, yep. First guy, almost almost first guy to hit the ring is Travis Brown. And I know that a lot of fun is poked at Travis Brown about his MMA shortcomings, and a lot of people have a lot of things to say about him, about some accusations that have been made personally. As I've said on previous shows, Joe, if there are 10,000 people in the Barclays Center, there are 9,999 that you want hitting that ring before Travis Brown. Oh, and there are probably uh, that same number, minus one that you want hitting the ring before Davey Boy Smith Jr., a product of Billy Robinson and Josh Barnett, the 300-pound son of the British Bulldog (laughs) who followed as well. Joe, what was was your thought when you saw this? there's really no point in talking about the MMA career of this fella, but just the the idiocy of this. And hey, good thing that a guy like Travis Brown and some of those guys were around. Uh, you know what? When I first saw it, I mean, the first thing that came to mind, the first trigger was disgusted. You know, I'm really disgusted. When when I saw that, I was like, dude, what are you doing? Right? I know there's been some um, some talk about there's a mental issue and stuff like that, and uh, but it was just wrong. And and you know, I, I wouldn't condone what Travis Brown did, but he gave that guy an ass whooping and then someone outside of the ring threw his own little sucker punch, uh, that connected, Wilder. Yeah, that connected pretty good. So, um, I, listen, emotions flare up. You're sitting there, you're watching a hall of famer and Bret Hart give a speech, uh, and then someone crashes it and, and tackles them. Well, you, I think the three of us might go into self-defense mode or protection mode, mm-hmm. right? You go in there trying to protect somebody and, and Travis Brown was close enough. He went in there and did what he had to do. I mean, I'm not condoning it, but I do understand it. Um, it's, it's, I think it's just, it was disgusting to see it. I know he, I think this person was saying that it was also, it was just a work. It was just a work. And I'm no, like, no, 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 it was, it was, know, dude. it was, it was very real and, um, not something that, yeah, it, it, it kind of wasn't something they were prepared for that the setup was obviously they weren't prepared for it, but the setup was different than last year's had Brett been on a stage like previous years, instead of in a ring, yeah, he would have seen it coming. Uh, even then, Still, still a little bit odd. Uh, the guy that did it very clearly has some mental issues, but we're talking about a guy who is has MMA experience. We're talking about a guy who was six foot two. I assume he's near probably about 185, 190 pounds if he fought at welterweight. If you have that type of experience, you could probably hurt somebody. And James, I mean, Monica Sellis got freaking stabbed by a yeah. crazed fan. So yeah. when people say, was it too much? I'm thinking, you never know if it's too much. Yeah, it, totally unpredictable, total fluke. I mean, no one could have predicted something like this was going to happen. Um, it's funny, actually. A friend of mine who's a media member works for Cage Side Press, uh, Rodney Edgar, is also an MMA fighter, and he uh, he's actually challenged uh, this guy to do a fight, not that he'll take it, but but uh, you know, it's yeah. I mean, uh, clearly, yeah, there's some serious issues there. Like, what possible positive thing was going to come out of this guy doing that? I mean, you, obviously, there's something wrong there. But uh, my first reaction, I think, like Joe was, I was like, I could, it was completely disgusted. I, Bret Hart. I mean, growing up in Canada, especially this guy was an icon and, uh, you know, anyone to, to do any harm to this guy is just, uh, it, I don't know. It, it runs deep. I was pretty, like, I remember seeing the video and I was just like, I, I just, I got angry. I mean, like, why would someone do something like that? So I don't know. I'm not a doctor clearly, but, uh, yeah, it was just uh, very upsetting to see. That's the best way to put it. And, you know, he got punched in the face at the end. Can't say I was too, uh, too upset about that. Yeah. Uh, 
Brett was very lighthearted about it, afterwards made a little bit of a joke, which you know he doesn't always do. Some people see him as a bitter guy, but I was told he was in good spirits at WrestleMania. You know, so I, don't, I don't think he's a news. bitter guy. I know that the reputation there, Sean, is that he's a bitter guy. We had the, we were lucky, super lucky, when the UFC was in Calgary. We got to meet Bret Hart, uh, and he took a big-time liking to Antonio Carvalho. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, and, he, and, and we were in not the lobby, but more or less there's a bunch of coaches set up to the left of the lobby, and he literally must have had a good half-hour, 45-minute conversation solely focusing on Antonio, talking about his career, talking about what, you know, potentially what Antonio could do for his career. And he was just super cool, very chilled, very calm, and, you know, and, and you know, had that look about him that, you know, don't piss him off, but really good guy. So I, I, I after you meet somebody like that in that type of environment, when I read some of the stuff about him, especially in the past, I know whatever whatever happened with um, Shawn Michaels back in the day it kind of made him bitter. I get that for sure, but lots of uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, lots of stuff. Well, I, I don't. That's that's the extent well, of what I know. So, but whatever guy. happened to Carvalho? He got released. He was like, he had one, two, three. Got released and never fought again. I know he was supposed to fight in World Series of Fighting, but man, I remember that entrance and that was that was such a cool moment. He. Man, him and him and Ric Flair got got some good reactions from uh, fans at UFC events. But here we are again. We we weren't here last week, so it is that time of the month where we talk about what Jose Aldo says he's going to do besides MMA fighting, <laughs> <laughs> soccer. Uh, I don't know. I think one time he wanted to be a professional harmonica player. He says that he might end up boxing after this. James, well, what are your thoughts? Do you think that Jose Aldo gets into boxing? Uh, maybe we'll see. It's really going to depend what happens with this fight. I think it's really going to determine what, what sort of, um, you know, takes place, um, in terms of what, what's happening after, but don't rule it out. I mean, you never know what these guys, uh, you know, again, they, they have to look at the opportunities that are outside the UFC. I mean, you know, we've seen it time and time again, these guys don't get treated the best. So I think, you know, if him, if he's talking about this and he, and he wants to, to make a run at actually, uh, it's funny you mentioned that Fabio Maldonado actually boxed in Toronto. I think it was a couple weekends ago. Wow. Uh, so he's actually doing both. Um, you know, outside of the UFC. So I think, you know, a lot of these fighters are seeing the opportunities outside of the cage uh, per se, as far as, uh, you know, combat sports. And uh, Joe, we see, you know, it's that time of the week where we talk about the latest Conor McGregor legal issues. He had the charges reduced in the cell phone incident. And then eventually I believe the lawsuit was dropped. However, now the Irish mirror is reporting that McGregor is being accused of participating (laughs) In a bar fight at the March or the Mabel Arch Pub in Dublin, are you surprised? No, Joe? no, and I, I know one of the situations with Connor involved organized crime. This goes way back, Sean, uh, long before we were we had the pleasure of having James Lynch join us on on, on the three man podcast. We talked about this, and uh, one of the guys that wasn't that Connor was involved with was not, and I stress the word not. Mm-hmm the person you want to mess with. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a real life world champion, champ, champ, mixed martial artist. There are certain people in society uh, you do not want to mess with because they don't care what you do for a living and how tough you are. They will finish you off if you know what I'm saying. So there's been some other information that's come out regarding that. Um, Connor is just, you know, you, you, it's got to be careful, man. You can't be living this invincible life. You will cross paths with the wrong people. Um, but it's, it's, it just seems, it it doesn't seem to surprise me with all this stuff that's happening with him. Um, we all know he said it a long time ago. I'm going to, I'm young. I'm in this game. I'm going to make my money. I'm going to get out. He made his money, obviously, uh, not just the UFC, but really with that Floyd Mayweather fight, 
Um, so, you know, maybe he should get out. But if he wants to compete and he still wants to be in the public eye, he's going to have um, media all over him. And, and, and the media in North America is nothing compared to the media in Europe, specifically in England and Ireland. They will roast you at any opportunity that they can. Anything, any small nugget that they can get will blow up. So got to be careful. Now, we weren't here last week to, to talk about this, so I wanted to get quick thoughts. UFC Philadelphia, we saw Justin Gaethje with a big KO over Edson Barboza. That fight was exactly what I wanted, a kick fight and a KO. Josh Emmett defeated Michael Johnson, uh, Michelle Waterson over Karolina Kovalkovich. Uh, Jack Hermanson submitted David Branch real quick. Uh, Casey Kenny stepped in and beat Ray Borg. Alex Perez over Mark De La Rosa as far as ranked fights go. Uh, James, any uh, quick thoughts on this UFC Philadelphia show? A lot of things. Um, yeah, I mean, Gaethje obviously setting himself up with a really good fight after that win. I mean, that was super impressive. Uh, Hermanson, we should mention, is now fighting Jacare Souza on the UFC Fort Lauderdale card with uh, Yoel Romero out, so good for him. Uh, Emmett looked good, even though, well, actually he didn't look great, and then he just ended up getting the KO at the end. Uh, poor Michael Johnson, now 19 and 14 in his career. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things. Des Green, hopefully he gets on that Rochester card. That was a big win over Ross Pearson, who I'm sure you guys saw has retired. I'm sure we can talk a little bit about that. And uh, yeah, Casey Kenny uh, getting a pretty controversial win, but uh, you know, Borg coming in overweight. I know he talked about this on Luke Thomas's show that he slipped in the bathtub, but just uh, you know, really bad luck for Ray Borg. And uh, you know, now he falls to eleven and four. So this is a, this is a good card overall, but uh, yeah, some uh, some interesting notes from it for sure. Joe, how about you? Well, you know, I can't I can't stand seeing Michael Johnson get dropped the way he dropped. He was he was ahead on those cards, and you know, he was a guy that I got to see almost every single Titan show that I did. Because uh, he trains over uh, right next to the venue, so um, I'm sad to see that. But good on Josh Emmett, who just showed the will to win and showed his resolve to continue fighting. And you know, he knew going into that third round that he had to win. And of course, Justin Gaethje and Edson Barboza—it's exactly what we all wanted. We all were almost hesitant to say, "Damn it, these fights are put together. We know what we want, but it rarely happens." Well, they gave us what we wanted, and Justin Gaethje is, is something special. In his post-fight interview. I wouldn't wish this on my worst opponents, but I absolutely love doing this. So good for him. And, and Her- Hermanson defeating David Branch in 49 seconds by submission. Ooh, now James did mention that he's, he's headlining the, the, with, uh, with Jacare in Fort Lauderdale. I, I don't know how pissed off people are uh, in Fort Lauderdale because that is, in essence, UL Romero territory. Every time you know Titan would have an event there, it's it's the Cuban flair, the ATT guys or whomever would show up there, and they are massively popular over there. So the main event in general, the selection of the main event in Fort Lauderdale was very strategic by the UFC. UL Romero is the guy that would guarantee selling out that venue pretty much, and unfortunately, he's gone. Uh, it's still an okay fight, if you ask me, but it's it's completely different when it's UL Romero and Jacques Adesus of the rematch. James, you, you mentioned Ross Pearson retiring after the Desmond Green loss. He was one of my – I got five on it picks just because of the unpredictability. I think the unpredictability is gone. Gone are the days where he's winning, losing, winning, losing, winning. He's lost six uh, – or I think seven of eight. And this was one – I mean, prior to that, he wasn't getting knocked out all the time. He's got knocked out a couple of times in recent years. The Dan Hooker KO, the Desmond Green TKO – I do think it's time because he had the fight of the night against McDessie, and I'm sure that's nice. He got got that pay, but he was at least early on when inconsistent. He would he would occasionally win, and when when he didn't, he would have uh, a fight of the night 
esque fight like with Edson Barboza. That, that those days are gone. That's not the Ross Pearson we see anymore. And he's been in the UFC for a decade now, James. Uh, I think it's I think it was the right call. I agree. Um, should mention though, he's only thirty four. I know that's not like you know super young, but it's not super old either. Oh, um, he's got a bare knuckle boxing fight. In I was his just future. gonna say. I was just gonna say. Yeah. So I, I think we'll probably see him go do that. You know, it's weird to think that he has a win over Paul Felder. Um, you know, which you look at how good Paul Felder is and where he's ranked right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was time. Uh, you know, the, again, if he had fought to decisions a lot and you know, been kind of a boring fighter, he would have been released from the UFC a while ago. But uh, yeah, I think we'll see him in bare knuckle. Just. Uh, that's what a lot of these fighters are doing when they're done with their careers. He's got he's got some good names on his resume: Spencer Fisher, Gray Maynard, I think Dennis Seaver. Uh, did he beat George Sotiropoulos back in the day? I think yeah. he did. Well, I, a guy who I completely forgot about, but uh, yeah, I know that it was towards the end of Sotiropoulos's run. But Joe, any thoughts, memories of, of Ross Pearson? I'm sure that you covered several of his fights. Ah, nothing positive. But uh, <laughs> I saw him once, uh, James, when Bellator was in town up at Rama. Uh, and I would say that wasn't a big fan of this guy. Uh, Bury him. I'm, I'm here for the clicks, yeah. Joe. Bury you him. Know, too cool for school, if you know what I'm saying. Right? Okay. Just simply too cool for school. And I tried to engage him a bit more. And he brushed me off like I was some jabroni. And I said, see ya. Good on ya. No, not what? interested. Well, at least we, we know he's a good judge of character. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Did you all hear about the other big retirement? Undefeated MMA fighter retiring. Dave Batista announced his retirement this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> any any thoughts on that, James? We won't see Batista in the ring or Man, cage. I was really hoping I was yeah, I was really hoping we'd see him on, on the circuit again. Um yeah, I mean what a great career. <laughs> Why not go out on top, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I what I'm saying. Uh also what happened last week? We were here to talk about one championship. Now, I expected this card to get a lot more buzz than it did. It got more buzz than it usually does. Had a lot of people saying, oh, I'm staying up to watch one and heard some people complaining about staying up for coverage and, and how they, they'd be awake. But Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson secures a win. No big surprise. But then you got Angela Lee losing. You've got Eddie Alvarez losing. Then you have the people who are pretending that Eddie Alvarez has always sucked or something, which yeah. is super oh. weird. Uh, Gary Tonin won. But in uh, Bibiano Fernandez won. Shinya Aoki won. There's some damn good names on this show, Joe. But uh, your thoughts coming out of that one championship card? I didn't think Eddie was going to lose. I mean, I don't care what anyone says, but um, I, that that really – caught me by surprise i didn't think shinya was going to win either uh and he pulls off an arm triangle choke in, in what like two and a half minutes so yeah i was pretty impressive viviana fernandez quietly again keeps doing his thing although it was disqualification is what it is uh you know dj gets a finish midway through second round so uh overall you know i mean i would love to have seen the card live um but eddie losing i'm, I'm just i'm completely you know tko dude didn't even go around one can't be happy about that, James. No, no. You spent all this money, and he was, you know, again, UFC uh, champion, Bellator champion. And uh, to lose, it's not just the way he lost. Like, had he lost, like, a, you know, a decision or something, and it was just, like, you know, a close fight, fair enough. But getting finished the way he did, having his hands over his face the way he did, um, I mean, is this it for him? I mean, I don't know. Like, he has taken a lot of damage in his career. 
but it's, you know, and it's not like he's getting any younger, but I, I don't know, man. I mean, that's, here's the thing. Like, it's not as if this would have been a good scenario for one, if the guy that beat him was like an up and comer that you could really build around, but yeah. he lost like not that long ago. So it's yeah. like, you can't even build him up. It's not even like a Zach, like, you know, kind of like a Zach Freeman and, and Pico situation in a way. Um, so it's, yeah, it, the whole thing, um, yeah, is, is bad for them. They got to give him some guy off the street, uh, you know, to fight Eddie next to get him back up there because you can't have him lose two. Yeah, but, he's, uh, he, and he just he looked, needs, that was one of his worst performances ever. It was, it was just brutal. Yeah, he needs, he needs a gimme fight, but, uh, it doesn't look like a ton of gimme fights on UFC 236 this weekend. The odds are real close on a lot of these fights. Let's go ahead and talk about it. UFC 236, Holloway versus Poirier 2. Uh, early on on this show, there's Brandon Davis, minus 170 against Randy Costa, plus 150. You have Lauren Mueller, a plus 155. Uh, Pollyanna Botelio, a minus 175. And then uh, you have Boston Salmon, <laughs> minus 135 <laughs> against Khalid Taha, which honestly kind of sounds like a fish too. Who is going to win this underwater battle of... Uh... <laughs> they need a three-way with Johnny Walker to have a great... Anyways, we'll let it go. Yeah. Uh, we also have Max Griffin, minus 110. Uh, Zalim Imadev, minus 110. So early on on this show, Jalen Turner minus twenty one twenty five, uh, Matt Frivola plus one hundred five. Before we get into to some of the names that people really know about, James, what stands out to you among these fights that I just brought out, and maybe some of these personalities? A couple interesting tidbits. First off, Randy Costa getting this fight is very surprising. He's only got four fights. I actually interviewed him. He was supposed to fight on the Cage Titans card uh, last weekend, and then he gets a call up to the UFC instead. And when I interviewed him, I was like, you know, is this the fight you think that's going to get you on Contender Series? I didn't think he'd get signed to the UFC. Um, you know, he he has some good connections. He's a Lozon guy. He trains at uh, Lozon's MMA. Um, you know, everyone that I've talked to says this kid's the real deal. But I just I worry about the experience here fighting a guy that's got um, you know 15 fights in, um, in in Brandon Davis, who's always a gamer, who's also moving down to 35. So I'm really intrigued by this fight because you know clearly Costa. Um, you know, if you're just looking at this on paper, very inexperienced. But you never know. We've seen some crazy things happen here. Um, other fight I'm really excited for that I think could be fight of the night, Bilal Muhammad, Curtis Millinder. I think that's great. Um, both guys coming off losses, Millinder losing, I think it was last month, uh, to Zaleski, or at least it was very, very, uh, very, um, not, not that long ago. So he's got to get back on the track. Um, you know, Boston Salmon, uh, you know, I think he needs a little bit more seasoning, God damn. Uh, you know, cause he, yeah, he fought on contender series. He was, <laughs> he's amazing. had three canceled fights in the UFC. It's crazy. So his last fight was actually July of 2017. So I don't know if that layoff is going to affect them a lot. Um, you know, if, if he does, we're certainly going to grill him after the fight. Um, yeah, ho- hopefully he doesn't get <laughs> seared. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and, and this Max Griffin and, and, and a Madev fight, I believe that's how you say his last name, uh, is interesting because um, I talked to Griffin and apparently they trained a little bit together at Extreme Couture. And he said that basically this guy um, is like a bully in the gym. Like he doesn't know when to stop. So there, it's kind of personal here. And Griffin, with what happened in his last fight with Alves, when you know I think a lot of people felt like he won that decision over Thiago Alves, he's got a chip on his shoulder because he already doesn't like this guy because of the experience at Extreme. And, uh, you know, he needs a win, too. He's, you know, lost a couple in a row now. Uh, this should be very interesting. Everyone that I've talked to talk, says this Amadev kid is is amazing, and he's going to be the future. He's 8-0. But we'll see. Griffin, you know, Griffin beat Mike Perry not that long ago. So I think I think that's interesting as well. A lot of really good fights in this prelim, actually. I'm, I'm quite excited. Yeah, uh, one of those is Curtis Melinder and Bilal Muhammad. And, Joe, we, we said after Bilal Muhammad's last performance, he ain't getting off those 
fight uh, the fight pass prelims anytime soon. He can't. He's not finishing anybody. He had won four in a row, but then dropped that fight to Jeff Neal. He's in what I think is a very good matchup uh, with Curtis Melender, and I don't mean like a stylistic matchup for either one. I just mean this is a good fight. Curtis Melender stepped into the UFC, had a great 2018, and ran into Zaleski Dos Santos. And sometimes you're just going to run into a Zaleski Dos Santos who just mollywopped him. He's back a month later. What does that say to you that Melinder was willing to to take this fight and and get right back in there off this impressive winning streak that it just ended? Well, a lot of guys when they lose, they're they're almost afraid. Or girls, they they're afraid to get back on the horse. They want to reevaluate everything. He's t- he's upset with that fight. Um, Dos Santos is no joke. I mean, he shouldn't be upset, but. He wants to get in there. He wants to, you know, put on a good fight, and Bilal Muhammad will give it to him because we all know Bilal Muhammad, Muhammad doesn't seem to have a reverse gear. Neither does he have a neutral gear. It's forward, 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 punish, 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 punish. Uh, and Melender, we know, can go toe to toe with some of the best strikers, Tiago Alves, uh, Bahru Dezada. So, yeah, this is. I think James may be bang on with this potential fight of the night candidate here because it's going to be an exciting fight for sure. The odds on this one have Bilal Muhammad at minus one forty, Melender at plus one twenty. What do you think of that line, James? I'm actually surprised. I think Millinder would be the favorite just with his winning streak. Although, uh, saying that, there's one guy who's finished uh, Bilal, and that was um, Vicente Luque. So Bilal's tough to finish. That's the thing. If Millinder can't put him out, and I think people are also banking on the fact that, you know, Millinder clearly has a hole in his ground game. I mean, look how quickly, and, you know, like Joe mentioned, Zaleski's not a slouch, but that was certainly a quick, not not a great performance for Millinder. So um, I don't know. I mean, th- this is kind of a coin flip, in my opinion. If it stays standing, both guys are good strikers. Um, I, I don't think, uh, you know, I, I think. I, but saying that, you know, if you want to f- put five on it, I think Millinder at plus 120 is not too bad, to be well, honest. James, he's had four losses, three of which were submissions, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so but is Blah Muhammad, is he going to go and take this to the map? Probably. Yeah, Blah so. Muhammad has never submitted anybody. Exactly. So, you see where the <laughs> odds are there, right? So, it's, it could be interesting. Now, Blah should potentially surprise everybody. Get this takedown, clinch or clinch takedown, and work for a submission. The guy's lost three or four from from submissions, right? One thing I should mention on this fight, Millinder actually has a decent height and reach advantage in this fight. He's 6'2 with a 70-inch reach. Bilal's only 5'10 with a 71-inch reach. So if he can't get on the inside, Millinder could just you know pick him away at it with, with the striking here. So that, that's kind of interesting too. I, you know, not, not saying a win, but that's still one of those things to you know, keep in mind. An interesting fight, Alexandra Pantoja, Wilson Hayes. Now, Wilson Hayes is a far cry from the fighter that competed for the UFC Flyweight Championship two years ago. He had lost three fights in a row, granted to very top talent in Mighty Mouse, Cejudo, Moraga. He picked up that win over Ben Wynn, but Pantoja is, I mean, I think he's won four or five. James, am I alone in just suspecting, by the way, uh, Pantoja a minus 150 favorite, Wilson Hayes a plus 130. Loser gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Pair, pairing away the division. Yeah. Look at the weight class. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it, 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 sorry to interrupt, but this is yeah. the division where Casey Kenny was ranked number fifteen before his bantamweight debut in the company, <laughs> and his last fight wasn't at flyweight either. And they still put him in the rankings. They literally have no clue what they're doing with this division. Oh, big time. And and I think, um, and if I'm not mistaken, Casey was put in there before he was brought into the UFC. I think sometimes for whatever yeah. reason, I heard this from a panelist that they just have contender series winners in the rankings for some reason. Woof. Which Woof. is terrible. That is like, how, how do you see this one going? 
This is a close fight. I don't think it's such a runaway for Pantoja. Um, I think Hayes, you know, he has that experience. The thing is, you got to look at who Wilson Hayes has fought. I think that's something that gets kind of, you know, Moraga, Very that's important. a fight he probably should have won. Cejudo, Demetrius Johnson, fought for Miga, lost, has a win over Ortiz. And if you look at Pantoja, his last loss was against Ortiz. MMA math doesn't always work. I liked his performance against Ben Wynn. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I think this is going to be close. I think this will hit the judges' scorecards. I think if you're looking for a bet in this fight, uh, maybe take the over. I want to see what that's actually at right now. It is probably insane. No, it's only minus 215. So that might be worth it because I think this is a coin flip. I don't think it's such a clear-cut fight. Um, and, and like I said, you know, they, they have similar records. But I think that uh, if you look at the, the level of competition, like we forget Hayes fought uh, Patricio Pipple and Bellator at featherweight. Like this guy's fought everyone. So I think that, that, that can pay off a little bit in this fight. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, I'll go, I'll go Panjota, but don't underestimate Hayes. I think if you're looking at value in this fight, it's definitely on Hayes. How about you, Joe? What, what do you see for the future of the loser, which I think is more interesting than the future of the winner and, and how this fight could end up? Well, we just officially hit our quota for every single Holy Smokes podcast to mention a Pitbull brother. So yeah. we did it. Congratulations, James. Hey, and the death it. of the flyweight division. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think it's that bad. You know, I don't think if, if either one of these guys loses, they actually get cut. If there is going to be a cut, uh, and a removal, it'd probably be Wilson Hayes, but I think he still has options because he's still fairly popular globally. Uh, a lot of organizations would be more than happy to bring him onto the roster. Uh, in terms of Pantoja and the way he competes, I think he's a fantastic fighter. He's only lost once, if I'm not mistaken. No, sorry, he's got three losses, but um, only once in the UFC, and that was to Ortiz. So we'll see what happens. But in, in my opinion, I, I think he's more safe than what Wilson Hayes is, right? So, you know, we'll see. It's Again, it's a division that unfortunately is just slowly but surely feel, you know, filling away, right? So, Well, here's why we do this podcast. It's to break down Ovint St. Preux versus Nikita Krylov. <laughs> I would almost be shocked if Ovint St. Preux didn't end up Von Flew choking Nikita Krylov. I have seen no marked improvements in Nikita Krylov, like, at all in the last several years. Even when he was winning fights, I saw him doing the same old things that would get him beat before. Joe, OSP is one of those guys, and I've never flat out predicted 
Avon flu choke because you got to be real stupid to get caught into it. But the thing is, Ovin St. Preux went from a tactic that his opponent has to put himself in to being able to put his opponent in it before they can really even capitalize. There are a lot of times when people get caught in a Von flu and it's because they just hold on to that guillotine too long. What St. Preux has started to do is take people down and really before they can remove the guillotine, he's locking that in. Like you can tell he's worked on that. And that is not an offensive tactic in which a lot of people can even use, let alone perfect Joe. I I straight up think that he's going to Von flu Nikita Krylov again. And I might not be so mad about it this time. I think you'll lose your marbles. I think I you probably will. will. <laughs> or you might just throw up some like crazy epic te- you know, tweets. I told you, I told you so. Um, I The first thing that I saw when I saw this fight, I'm like, he'll probably Von Flew choke him as well. I, I, I believe that. What I'm more surprised about are the odds at minus 105 for OSP and uh, minus 115 for Nikita Kralov. I think this, there should be way further apart here. OSP with a bit more uh, of a favorite here, if not a lot more of a favorite here. So there's value right there on the minus 105, if you ask me. I just think OSP is going to, you know, emerge victorious in this fight here. I mean, a fight's a fight, anything can happen. I just don't see what Krylov's going to do to OSP that he's never seen before. So Krylov has won nine of his last 11. That is incredibly misleading. I am almost shocked that this guy beat Emmanuel Newton and Fabio Maldonado, but am I alone in that? I mean, he... Maybe I'm a little hard on him, James, but man, the guy makes so many basic errors in the cage that it's it's unbelievable. Uh, what do you see for this fight? Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think if you look, you know, as far as disappointing fighters, Krylov's right up there because I remember when he first came in, everyone was excited, and he's just been he's he's just been a disappointment. Anytime he gets a step up in competition, uh, he usually falters. And this is the rematch that no one wanted. I don't know why this is happening, but uh, here we are. And what's interesting about this is OSP by submission prop is plus 180 right now. So if you want to take that. I think that's probably a good bet here. And I'm surprised the line's so close because, yeah, OSP lost his last fight. And, and usually he's another guy that when he seems to get a step up, when it looks like he's potentially heading towards a title shot, uh, he loses. Um, you know, But look who he lost to. His last fight he lost to, to Reyes, Dominic Reyes, who you know I think is still a top talent despite his last performance. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's looked good. I think overall um, I'm taking OSP here. Just yeah. overall he's, he's the better fighter. And I don't see Nikita Krylov submitting – uh, OSP. And when you look down recent history, the only person that's knocked him out is Jimmy Manoa. Like Reyes couldn't do it. Jones couldn't do it. Um, Ozdemir. Volkan Ozdemir couldn't do it. Uh, Glover, you know, went three rounds with him, but didn't knock him out. Uh, Bader couldn't do it. Shogun, well, Shogun couldn't do it because Shogun got cracked, but there's a lot of guys who have that ability that, that didn't do it. Also, um, you know, the, that was Dominic Reyes on his, his come up as well. So, oh, I, I am looking forward to that car crash. I really am. <laughs> Alan Juban against Dwight Grant. Uh, the odds have Juban at a minus 120, Dwight Grant at a plus 100. James, what do you got here? It's a coin flip, in my opinion, because Grant looked so good in his last fight. And the Grant that, you know, we saw leading up to him signing with the UFC, which is this guy who can finish fights. And with Joe Ban, the thing that I'm worried about in this fight a little bit is the fact that he's, you know, 37 years old, hasn't fought since the Saunders win, which was February of 2018. So, you know, layoffs affect every fighter differently, but it is something to, to sort of keep in mind for this fight. Um, the only thing is, is uh, Joe Ban, uh, you know, has a lot more experience. Grant's only got, you know, he's got 11 fights. Uh, Joe Ban's fought a lot more in the UFC. This is what Grant's third 
UFC fight. Had that fight against Zach Otto, I think should have gone his way, but uh, nonetheless, it didn't come out on top in that one. I'll go Joe Ban just because, again, I, I, when it comes to fights, I got to look at the matchup on paper, not necessarily the external factors like the layoff and things like that. But, I mean, Grant, I don't know. We'll see. Because he, it's like you get two opposite fighters. Like his debut is disappointing in a fight against Otto that he should have won. And then his last fight, he, he, you know, he got a highlight reel finish. So I'll lean on the side of the more experienced guy in Joe Ban and that, you know, he's tough to finish. Um, you know, Nico Price, uh, you know, finished him by knockout. But a lot of other fighters haven't been able to do so. So I'm going to go Joe Ban probably by decision in this fight. It's one of those fights, Joe, where usually I, I would take a look at a guy and say, oh, okay, Dana White contender series product. They probably want him to win. But I get the feeling UFC probably likes Jovan as well. But um, Jovan, for a while, quite frankly, I thought maybe he was just done because he, he had lost those two fights in a row in 2017. And he, hadn't, he hasn't fought in 14 months or 13, 14 months, as, as James mentioned. I was like, maybe he's doing something else. Maybe he's, maybe he's out of it. But uh, – Dwight Grant, like like we said, has the ability to finish somebody. I, I want to know what you think about this fight. Um, I, when, when you look back at Joe Ban's record, his last his last three fights, as an example, or four fights, if you want to say it, right? I mean, the guy took out Mike Perry. Okay, went to the decision. He did defeat Mike Perry. Gunnar Nelson. He should never have let Gunnar Nelson anywhere near him. Okay, allowed it to happen. Got submitted. The Nico Price fight. I thought he was going to take Nico Price down to the ground, or at least get some sort of clinch work, but he got rocked uh, and then TKO'd. So there. Now going against Ben Sand or Ben Saunders, Saunders, Killer Beast taking a lot, a lot of punishment over the years. So getting that KO victory, it, it's kind of it was a good fight too. Those guys went back and forth. I think with Joe Ben, as long as he doesn't get too aggressive, remains strategic, sticks to his game plan, should emerge victorious in this fight. And I think he could probably get a finish. He's just got to be smart about it. Is he not a, a high level belt with um, Eddie Bravo? I'm not yeah. sure. Well, yeah. they're buddies for sure because that was an issue in the last fight with Saunders was that Saunders and um, Joe Ban both um, you know worked with Bravo so he kind of had to stay out of the fight so yes. I, I, that would make sense. So he's got slick jujitsu that he could use at any time and potentially this is a fight here you know it's just you, you, at some point especially with his age you got to be cerebral you got to be smart can't just throw caution in the wind and then just start bombing with people just play it smart you'll emerge victorious if he does lose this fight here I think that could be the end of his career in the UFC. I'm going to go with uh, Dwight Grant because he did have that great finish. I thought he beat Zach Cattell. I thought I didn't know how Zach got that fight, but uh, I think he's on a pretty good hot streak right now. Then we have Eric Anders, minus 175. Khalil Roundtree, a plus 155. Eric Anders at light heavyweight is something that just needed to happen. Khalil Roundtree is the the model of inconsistence in the UFC in this division. He is this highly touted prospect. He comes on the Ultimate Fighter, win loss, win loss. Steps into the UFC, loses a couple fights, wins a couple, loses one, wins one in a great performance. That Gokan Saki fight. Yeah. Then he walks into Johnny Walker. Which, w- what can we say about that, Joe? What can, he got where he with- was, and nobody was going to beat Johnny Walker on that night, uh, but. I, I think that Eric Anders also has some of those issues. They, they're very similar in, in that respect. But Eric Anders, a light heavyweight, is something that needs to happen. Uh, but how, how do you see this one going? He's, he's lost three of four. Yeah, well, this is to go back on what James was saying about Curtis Melender and Bilal Muhammad. This has the potential of also being a fight of the night candidate because these two guys 
Um, the way they compete, it is fairly exciting. It's going to be very dangerous. I think I'm going to take uh, Khalil Roundtree in this fight here. He's just got to be careful, though. Be smart about it. But I see a finish, man. I think he's going to TKO Eric Honor sometime in the second round. How about you, James? Oh, man, I'm going the other way. I like Anders in this fight. <laughs> and uh, one, one of the things I like about this is that Anders is actually training at Factory X for this camp. So uh, the training partners won't be an issue at Spartan MMA and Fitness in Alabama. He was pretty much just training with Walt Harris. Like he wasn't getting that high level, uh, you know, those high level bodies that he gets now at Factory X with like Ian Heinish and Chris Camozzi and, you know, a lot of the other bodies that are over there. And, and you know, getting to work with Mark Montoya, who's one of the best coaches in the game, I think is also going to help. And him fighting at 205. I mean, I've done interviews when I interviewed him at UFC 231 before the Lias fight. Like he cuts a lot of weight, not having to worry about that. We can finally see him at his true potential. I realized the Santos fight was at 205, but that was also a short notice opportunity here. So he's had a full camp getting to eat what he wants. I think we're going to see probably the best Eric Anders we've seen. And I just think overall, he's got more tools to work with that fight with Elias. I mean, people forget he nearly finished Elias and I think it was in the second. Um, and, and as we know, Elias is very tough to finish as well. Um, I thought he beat Machida. You know, the Tim Williams win, he was a little shaky in, in that one. But, uh, you know, the Santos fight, he never never quit in that one. And now Santos is fighting for a title. Um, I just think overall, Eric Anders has, has done a lot more and uh, overall has more tools. So I'm going to go with him here. Now, the question is, does he finish this fight? I don't know. I'll, I'll say he gets a hard-fought decision, but his hand will get raised in this one. A fight that I had kind of overlooked in uh, our preview, Andre Sukumtov, a plus 375. Montel Jackson, a minus 470. Wow, um, that line is really, really big. By far the biggest line on the show, and it's not even close. James, what do you think of that line in the fight? I'm a little surprised it's that much of a margin because, uh, I mean, I, I guess they're basing it off of what Jackson did to, to Brian Kelleher in his last fight, which was just a quick you know, submission win, and he's got a really big build for the division. He's 5'10 with a 75-inch reach, whereas Sukumta, um is 5'9 with a 72-inch reach, so I guess not a huge difference. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I, think, I think the issue here is that uh, you know, Sukumta hasn't fought like a ton, like he fought in October. Um, you know, before that, I think it was uh, in, in March, um, so maybe they're looking at that as well. But yeah, this is a little bit surprising. I think part of it too is just that Sukumta, um, other than that when he had, who is it, over Luke Sanders, I mean, he hasn't really, he usually goes the distance and, uh, and and they're not like, you know, performances that were dominant. They were just, you know, wins that he sort of sort of squeaked out here. Um, yeah, I mean, there's absolutely value here on Sukumta. Um, I'll, I'll pr- I mean, I don't, man, this is a tough one. I, I got to be honest. Um I just think nobody will forgive him for his MMA intelligence when he had with O'Malley, uh, yeah, with yeah, the whole thing where whole, O'Malley's foot was hurt, yeah, yeah, right. So I think that's the, that's part of the reason that even the Lions makers are like, nah, we're not giving this guy credit. Yeah, um, I mean, I I think I'll probably go with Jackson here, but I think the value for sure. I mean, I, there's there there's absolutely value on Andre Sukumtot plus three seventy five. In fact, him by decision. What is that? That's got to be something crazy. Uh, Sukumta wins by decision is, oh, they don't, I don't think they have it. They have TKO submission distance. Um, I'll look for it late. Oh, here we go. Plus five sixty. So not much, that much of a difference, but, uh, still that's crazy, man. Like this, this could be a close fight for sure. Elsewhere on this show, <clears throat> the big fights. Well, wait, I think we're there. There we are. Okay. Israel Adesanya, a minus one seventy five. Kelvin Gaslam, a plus 155, this for the interim middleweight championship. James, uh, you spoke to Israel Adesanya ahead of this fight. Kelvin Gaslam has a lot of tools. I think he's going to be a little overmatched in the size department. I would expect Israel Adesanya to wisely keep his distance and, and look to strike from the outside. 
how do you see this one going? I'm going Israel in this one. And I know a lot of people will say he's overhyped and he didn't look good in his last fight. Look, he fought Anderson Silva. Not everyone's going to put away Anderson Silva and and finish him. I mean, even at his age, Silva just style-wise was not a great matchup for Israel. So I think that expectation that he was supposed to go out there and finish him in the first round, I think is not. A lot of guys can't do that against Anderson Silva. I just think the upsides with him here, and the thing I like with him too is the fact that you know he's fought uh, more frequently. Um, you know, Gaslam because of the Whitaker fight getting canceled, he actually hasn't fought since May of last year. That's a long layoff. I realize he's not you know old, super old. He's only twenty seven. Um, in fact, I think a lot of people forget that Gaslam's actually younger than Israel Adesanya. Adesanya is twenty nine. But um, I just I, I think there's there's things that Israel does in his fight game. We've seen that in the Tavares fight. We've seen that with what he did to Derek Brunson. I think there's things that he does that that are just above average. And I think that um, you know if this fight stays standing, especially, I think that uh, I think, think Israel will, will be able to outstrike Calvin Gaslam in this fight. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Weidman was able to defeat him. Uh, that was back in 2017. You know, uh, the fight against Souza was close. I, I think that was a good matchup too. But, you know, his biggest wins are against guys that, you know, aren't even in the UFC anymore. Hendricks, Tim Kennedy, Michael Bisping. Um, I, I really like what Adesanya's done. I'm leaning on the side because this is one of those situations where it's like, we're really going to figure out how good Israel Adesanya is. I think this is the fight that does it. I think this is this is the this is, this is the test for the title. I think this is where he comes through. I've been a believer in his for a while. Look, when he beat Marvin Vittori, I was like, yeah, okay, we can slow the brakes down a little bit. I think the fight I was the most impressed with was, was the Tavares fight just because going into that fight, Tavares had a nice winning streak and Israel completely dominated him and he got to show off, you know, the fact that he could go the, the full distance in a fight. So um, I like Israel here. I, I know people are going to say Gaslam can surprise again. He absolutely could because, you know, I've underestimated him a lot. But I just I really like what Israel brings to the table, and I, I think he gets it done here by decision. I think he I think this does go the full three rounds, but Israel is able to keep it on the feet, stop those takedowns, and he's able to to take home a decision. Not Joe, five you, rounds? Go ahead. This is not five <laughs> rounds. Yeah, it is five rounds. Okay, all yeah. right. Uh, yeah, Israel Adesanya will win this fight. He'll pick apart Kelvin Gaslam. He'll stop the takedowns. Uh, he'll just work. Be patient. Uh, I think the kid's fight IQ uh, is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Kelvin Gaslam, in my opinion, has to close the distance, control Adesanya's limbs, do not let him strike, control him, take him down, and, and just work for you know just a mall and brawl TKO victory on the ground. Forget the submission, just punish him, punish him, punish him. If he cannot do that, I think Israel will just simply pick him apart. Uh, he's got 25 minutes to do it. I think he'll use up a lot of that. I don't think it'll go to the distance. I think he'll catch Kelvin Gaslam, rock him, uh, and then go in there for the finish and get that TKO. I'm very curious about the future of this middleweight division following this. Obviously, we'll have Whitaker versus the winner. Then you got Romero, who loses and just got pulled from a fight. Rockhold's hitting the bricks. He's gone. Souza probably needs a win. If he doesn't win uh, this month, that, that could spell trouble because then you've got Gaslam or Adesanya, who will be coming off of a loss. Chris Weidman. I'll believe it when I see it in the cage. Paulo Costa. <laughs> one, yeah. Paulo Costa, uh, conspicuous by his absence, we'll say, in, in light of some things. <laughs> they, 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 need, they need some people to develop. They, they really do. Or maybe just somebody move up from welterweight. I see, well, I see middleweight in the same space that light heavyweight was in about a year ago, where it, it was wide open and somebody who's moving from a division to here could could really end up uh doing well, themselves if a great Jack Kermanson gets that win over Sousa look out right that yeah, that'd be going to go up the rankings real quick sure main event Dustin Poirier a minus or a plus 180 rather against Max Holloway a minus 220 i am super interested in this fight because while they are both very exciting fighters they are both like really really different 
Poirier's output starts off really, really high and decreases while Holloway's gets better and better and better. I, I think he's more active in the fourth round than any round that he fights in. Holloway will feel you out and pick you, pick you apart while Poirier is like, just let me do everything. Let me throw kicks at you, jabs at you, straights at you, hooks, uppercuts, and then I'm going to find what works. And then I'm going to stick to that and go that way. I, I'm, I love the way that the contrast in when they do find success, one of them just wades in. The other one stands on the outside and is a little more uh, calculated in Holloway. But with Poirier, it kind of sets up takedowns because he's so wild. It raises people's guard. He drags them down. There there are a lot of interesting uh, parallels and contrasts to this fight, Joe. What are you looking forward to and who do you think wins? Take Dustin on the under, Max on the over. Just like you said, the way you broke it down is very succinct. Dustin can land those power shots, and if he lands those power shots, Max will be woken up, or not woken up, he could be sleeping pretty quickly because Poirier has some power behind those punches, and he'll be looking to cut that cage off. Uh, not as quick as, as he would in a three-round fight, but it's a five-round fight, so he's got to be patient. My only concern with Dustin Poirier is the MMA mileage because he's been doing it for a long time, way back down in Louisiana. Um, with Tim Crater and all that. So it's been a long road for Dustin Poirier, uh, but he's focused. I saw him at the two Titans show two events ago. Yeah, two events ago. Uh, and it's just the guy looks absolutely fantastic. We had a good conversation. And it was the day before the announcement was made of this fight here. So he's a jerk, in my opinion, for not telling me. Um, but I, I think he could do it early. If he can't do it early and begins to fade, Max Holloway, uh, depending on the punishment he may have taken leading up, to the third or fourth round, I think Max Holloway could pull off a victory here, even by TKO. James, your thoughts? You guys aren't even talking about the fact this guy destroyed Jose Aldo twice. I mean, there, there's, yeah. I mean, th- that is something we have to consider here. Look at what Aldo's been able to do after losing to Max Holloway. Like that is a huge win. Add in the fact that Holloway, the biggest thing, what do we always talk about? What was the narrative heading into his last fight with Brian Ortega that everyone was talking about? The weight cut. He made weight. He doesn't even have to worry about that for this fight because, yes, he still has to cut weight, but those extra 10 pounds, I mean, I think Max is going to look better at 55 than he did at 45, not having the weight cut. And, you know, you guys are talking about, or Joe was talking about, you know, potentially Poirier getting an early finish. I don't see it. Holloway's never been knocked out. He's Hawaiian. I think in your blood that means you don't get knocked out. Um, (laughs) That's a good point. Never mind. You know, it's... (laughs) Conor McGregor couldn't knock him out. I mean, this is, to me, Max is going to be even better at 55, in my opinion, because he's not cutting that extra weight. Um, and, and I just look at experience here. I mean, both guys have fought, you know, the who's who. Max has fought in more title fights, um, you know, being the champion. Um, and, and I mean, it, with this, as far as like the builds, I mean, Max is 5'11", 69-inch reach. Poirier is, what, 73-inch reach, 5'9". So the height-wise, they're the same. Poirier has a slight reach, but... I don't know. I think I think Holloway's going to get this done. Um, I, to me, it's just it, it's it's his ability to just you know go in and, and talk about taking shots. I mean, Aldo did hit him a couple times in both fights, and he was able to just walk right through it. I think if Poirier can't put him out, like Joe was saying, I think it's his to take, especially as the, the fight goes on later. I think you're going to see uh, you know Holloway really take over. The the thing I the, the reason I'm picking Holloway here, and and again, Poirier has put on some great performances. I'm not downplaying any of that. I mean, finishing Eddie Alvarez, finishing Gaethje, finishing Pettis. Those are all impressive. But what Holloway did to Brian Ortega in his last fight, like make him look like he's never looked before where he just completely outclassed him. And then to beat Aldo twice before that, that t- there's no way I can pick against him. I'm going Holloway here. Late finish, third round. You heard it here first. 
I'm going Holloway as well. I think it's going to happen uh, in, in that same round. I think this is going to be just a categorically different fight than the first one. Obviously, it, it ended in three and a half minutes via submission. I don't think there's any way Dustin Poirier submits Max Holloway here. The level of growth that Max Holloway has experienced over, gosh, what is it, seven years now? It's It's been seven years since they fought. It's crazy to think that Max Holloway is even old enough to have fought seven years ago because – I still think of him as that 24, 23-year-old prospect that is really emerging. He's on the scene, and we have to wonder what becomes of the featherweight title if he wins this, Joe. Does he give up the featherweight title? Considering this guy loves to fight every single month, I'm going to say no. I know Dana may want him to do it, but I can't see him doing it. He'll he'll try and convince Dana that you know I'll fight every other month, put me on headline every single pay per view if I have to. I'm in. I'll defend one title, next title, or, or, or I'll try and unify the title um, with Habib when he's ready. But I don't think Max will want to relinquish that title. He'll try and negotiate his way to keep both. How about yourself, James? He said on Luke Thomas' show he's going to defend his featherweight title. I'm almost positive. So I think you will see that. Now here's the thing. Um, if Aldo wins, if he beats Volkanovski, which again, we're hearing stuff, you know, Aldo had some sickness or some health uh, stuff heading into the Volkanovski fight. We don't even know if that's 100% on. If Aldo's able to beat Volkanovski, I think the chances of Holloway staying at 55 and not defending his title are greater. Although you still have this X factor in Frankie Edgar, the fight that I don't, th- I think at this point, I mean, I'll, I want to get a pull from you guys. I don't really care to see that fight right now. Like, I know Edgar's Edgar, but him losing to Ortega and, you know, Beating Cub the way he did, it wasn't like anything amazing. I don't know. I just don't have any interest to see that fight anymore. To me, I think if, if Aldo beats Volkanovski, then I, I think Max should just stay at lightweight. But if Volkanovski goes out there and finishes Aldo and does something crazy, then you have to do that fight. I mean, come on. That, Volkanovski's, what he did to Mendez in his last fight, I think there is reason to suggest that he could beat Aldo. So, I mean, that, I think that fight is really going to determine what happens with Max at featherweight. That's UFC 236, and it's time for my UFC 236 I Got 5 on It picks. Now, again, these are just underdog betting flyers. I'm not necessarily picking the fighter to win. I just think these are the three best options uh, on the card for betting lines, and not even necessarily underdog betting lines, Uh, even though, yeah, I guess they, they all technically would be. I'm going OSP at minus 105. I can't believe that Nikita Krylov is favored at minus 115 in this fight. It is uh, shocking to me. And when I look at that, uh, St. Prue is a plus 180 via submission. To me, it's wild that somebody can be an underdog, but the line for a prop bet like that still be that, I I don't know, that close to even. Uh, I don't see any way that Nikita Krylov beats OSP. Uh, Laura Mueller, plus 155 against Pollyanna Botelio. Uh, Both of these women had quick, fairly quick submission losses. And there's a prop bet at uh, plus 655 for Botelio to win by submission. Uh, Mueller winning by submission is a plus 1315. I think somebody very well could get submitted in this fight. I just don't know who, but I think it's worth the plus 155 on Botelio. When I look at Andre Sukumtoth, that line is just too good to be true considering his experience level, Montel Jackson was not a pro fighter before 2017. I think maybe that could play a little bit of a factor. Now, he fought as an amateur well before that, but minus 470, do I think that he is a good fighter? Yes. Do I think that he's winning this? Probably. But plus 375? Damn. 
I got five on it. I got five on it. Uh, before we wrap up, news dropped last week. Josh Barnett signing with Bellator, Joe. I think it's a hell of a fit. No, it's not. Should be signing, <laughs> signing with Ryzen. Ah, uh, well, okay, fair. That's yeah, it's a good fit. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy for Josh. It's going to be good. Uh, he's still able to continue his career, right? So good for him. James, we see that Fedor fight. Yeah, they have to. Hey, let's look, guys. Remember, it was supposed to happen. Affliction. Yeah, I know. That's you got to make that fight that happen. Whole, listen, for you MMA fans who are a little bit newer here, Affliction was yeah. supposed to have a card, and it got completely canceled because Barnett got popped by uh, back when they didn't even have Usado. I don't know what it was that was testing back then. So that that fight has to happen, hundred percent. Yeah, when I mean that's just come on, come on. And what else was supposed to be on that show? Was was there anything? What was set? It was eleven uh, days before the event. Hold on, I'll, I'll read the card to you. Hold on here. We're going to do some live stuff. Vitor Ooh. Belfort was, for, was supposed to fight uh, Jorge Santiago. Babalu was supposed to fight Gegard Mousasi. They ended up fighting in Strike Force. Tim Sylvia, Paul Buntello, Jay Heron, Paul Daly, Chris Horadecki. Remember him fighting Joe Lozon? <laughs> Not a bad card. That's a hell of a card. That's a nice card. I remember that's on a collector's one... item, by the way. They don't make those anymore. I remember on the uh, the band card you had. Nog and Vitor Belfort and like on the prelims, <laughs> yeah, pretty true. good shows. They were just tossing out money. Joe, let the people know what you're up to this week and where they can find you on social media. Same old, same old at showdown. Joe, you can follow me, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, you name it. Uh, same old, same old for me, work, 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 and, and winding down the indoor soccer season, prepping for the outdoor soccer season. So lots of fun there. And uh, nobody call me tomorrow, Sean Rossap, James Lynch, uh, between three o'clock and four 30. Uh, as Juventus is playing in Champions League, I will not be your friend tomorrow for an hour and a half. Hey, uh, I'm telling people to to stay out of my DMs and my phone on Thursday. Tomorrow, we had the Listen Your Boy moving from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. So a lot of people are like, oh, your weekend's over after the SmackDown after WrestleMania. No, we've got a major launch of a show at 6 p.m. tomorrow. But uh, James, what do you have going on this week? I'm sure lots of stuff before 2.36. Oh, you bet. Uh, well, let's plug the UFC 236. Uh, I can't even speak. <laughs> UFC 236 uh, content. Israel Adesanya interview up on Fightful. Eric Anders interview up on Fightful. Alan Joban, uh, Andre Sukumta. Um, yeah, check those out all on Fightful.com. And I got to mention, uh, this weekend, I'm going to be doing commentary for Rise F- uh, FC 3, uh, their third card uh, coming up here uh, this Saturday. You can watch it live on Fight TV. Uh, Bantamweight champion Craig McLean defending his title against uh, flyweight champion Chad Enghelger. Uh, Going to be a great uh, night of fights. And Jamie Siraj is on that show too. He's a protege of Cajun Johnson. Some good uh, MMA going on this weekend. So if you guys are in the area, check it out. If not, watch it on Fight TV. Oh, one more thing, Sean, if I may. Just that uh, James just reminded me. Uh, last Rising show, there was the Mayweather and Nasukawa fight. Uh, Ryzen just scored a deal with Manny Pacquiao. Uh, he will be at the next show uh, that I'm leaving for next Thursday. So uh, Manny Pacquiao will be there. The announcement of what he will be doing uh, will be coming out shortly. Yeah, actually, I meant to, meant to touch on that. Really excited to find out that news. Joe, uh, risk your job and give us the scoops. <laughs> I, I don't have anything yet. I, I don't think he's going to be. <laughs> to be honest with you, there's a Philippine fighter on the card. Uh-huh. And I think Manny's going to be there to support. I don't know for sure. I think that's what it is. I don't think they scored any sort of deal with Manny fighting on this card, but do not be surprised if they're trying to score something uh, to have him compete in another card. Well, guys, help us score those thumbs up. It goes a long way. It helps people find us. Uh, if you want to help us out on iTunes as well, I know most of you actually listen uh, here on iTunes and Stitcher and all that. Leave a nice review. That stuff goes a long way as well. Subscribe to our MMA channel. Uh, youtube.com slash fightful mma boxing 
and join us live coverage Saturday night, UFC 236. We have usually for pay-per-views over a thousand comments in our live discussion, which is more than a lot of the top MMA websites in the world have. Uh, Thank you guys so much. Till next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.